Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Not too gloomy in the in the rain. It's a bit it's a bit it's a bit gloomy in the nine. There are lots of people here, but everyone everyone sort of it's a, it's a shock the the rain and things like that. Um, I don't know if you remember. All that time ago, last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday, Lewis was speaking to us, um, spoke really well, didn't he? I thought he was, he was a great job, wasn't it? Um, he was speaking about um, having confidence in kind of connecting with God, confidence in going deeper, and he's looking at those, those verses from, from uh, Matthew 6, talking about, you know, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, and, um, and he used a little analogy, didn't he, around, around text messaging, you know, if you, if you, if you kind of like text message a prayer to God as if, as if you were doing that. Um, you might get a yes straight away, a quick response, yeah, that's, get that prayer answered. You might get a no and uh, don't do that or whatever it is. But you also might kind of not hear anything for a while, kind of be awaiting. Sort of. and, and what Lewis was saying to us was it's a bit like if you've got an iPhone, hopefully you know what I'm talking about here, um, you get three little dots that come up when someone else is writing the message back to you. Do people know what I mean? Does anyone know what I mean? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, good, good. People know what I mean. And, and, and he gave that example, didn't he? And I thought that was a great one of just, you know, God's onto it, but you just got to wait for that reply. And it reminded me of what happened to me um, at the leadership conference a couple of years ago. I was meeting up with a, with a friend of mine who's a vicar, and he's sort of in, in, in sort, of, uh, sort of older in, end of life. And... Um, and uh, and, and he, he wasn't quite so used. I know lots of sort of older people in this room are very used to their iPhones and much more on it. He wasn't very on it. Anyways, so he, um, he sent me a text message saying, um, you know, should we meet up for lunch? And I was like, yes. And he was like, where should we meet up? And then, and then I started typing about where we should meet up, and it was a slightly longer message I was doing. And in the middle of writing this, uh, this message, I get another message from him saying, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh. I don't know, what was he talking about? So I carried on to get my message and send it off to him. And then I work out, after a few messages back and forth, he thought I'd sent him dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he was sort of looking at his phone, patiently, you know, waiting for my reply. And he thought I'd sent him this dot, dot, dot. And, um, you know, we're in such a hurry in life, aren't we? We can be really impatient and really like, come on, answer this, I want to know. And, and we're all rushing around. And... Today, I, I just want to think about kind of how we can calm down to connect with God. Because you know what it's like. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're with a friend or you go around someone's for dinner or something like that, if they're distracted maybe by kind of making dinner and not really connecting with you or if you're just at home and uh, I, know, I know this happens with Camilla and I, you know what I mean, I'll be distracted by something, maybe reading something really important like the news on my phone or something terribly important like that and, and I'll be distracted and she'll be kind of talking to me and I'll be like, yeah, and it's so annoying, isn't it, when, when, when people aren't really giving you their attention and connecting with you. And, you know, I, I don't think it's any different with God. It must be so annoying for him too that like, you know, sort of hoping to have some, some time of connection and our mind's going off everywhere and we're getting distracted by this and then a text message comes in and then blah, 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 blah. And God's just longing to connect with us, longing to have our attention. And actually, we are too. But we get, we get drawn away, don't we? 
And I, and I want to think about this. How do we just kind of calm down, slow down to connect with God? And I'm, I'm preaching this sermon to me this morning. So you just happen to be listening. All right, I hope you enjoy it too. But I know I need probably to hear this more than anyone in the room. Um, and I want to do this through, through thinking about um, those favorite people, Mary and Martha. And um, so should we have a look at Luke 10? You want to grab a Bible? Um, Luke 10, there's some Bibles around. Or, or look on your phone as long as you promise not to look at the news or anything else. Um, so it's um, Luke 10 and um, it's uh, verse 38. So let's look at Mary and Martha because I think they've got something to teach us here about connecting. Luke 10, 38. It's page 1042, if you're using a church Bible, 1042. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I wonder, do you find yourself just a little bit irritated, annoyed at Jesus' response? Does, is anyone else, am I the only one here? Does anyone else find themselves like, yeah, it's quite, yeah, good, good. It's quite annoying, isn't it? It seems slightly unfair. It seems slightly undermining. Here's Martha, organized, efficient, conscientious, hardworking, providing. And it's like, Jesus, why are you not on her side? Why are you not supporting her here? What's going on? And, and, and I think if you're, if you're kind of shocked and annoyed by this passage a little bit, you are in good company. Because the disciples, I think, were shocked and annoyed by Jesus' response here. And part of the reason I think that is because they included it in the Gospels. You know, there was loads of stuff to write on Jesus. And, and, and Luke had to sit down and decide, what am I going to include? What am I not going to include? And he includes this story. And I think the reason he includes this story is because it, it was a bit shocking. We didn't expect Jesus to do that. And I think it was shocking, really, the, the kind of two reasons here. I think, I think the first thing, when, when Martha blurts out her complaints... I think Jesus, um, the, the disciples around would have expected Jesus to say something like, you know, actually Mary, it would be great if you could go and help Martha. She is really busy and you know what, this, this is really a kind of man's space here and, and, and the women's space is over there doing those preparations, kitchens. It would be great if you could, um, if you could do that, Mary. And, um, you, you, you know, in fact, the way Mary asked the question in the Greek, it's like a kind of a leading question which is expecting the answer, a positive answer of like, yes, you know, definitely Mary, go and, go and help Jesus. That's what Martha's expecting. And yet, Jesus comes out with this. It is, it is hugely shocking. Jesus affirms Mary's place there and says, yep, this is where she is to be. He smashes down a gender barrier in that moment and says, actually, 
purposes of the kingdom of God, they're being involved in the advancing of the kingdom of God, sitting at Jesus' feet and working in these things. This is where you're meant to be, Mary. It was shocking. All the disciples sitting around would think, no, you know, the women are over there, the men are here. And Jesus says, no, this is the way it's to be. It's amazing. And then the, the second shocking thing, which has actually got nothing to do with the gender, it doesn't sort of matter if they were male or female. The second shocking thing is, here is someone who is really busy, who needs help, and Jesus says, no, you're not getting any help. And that's kind of just a little bit shocking, isn't it? I mean, this story follows, it's interesting, Luke has placed it straight after the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here we've got this great parable of how kind of get off your backside and help people. You know, take action. And yet, in this one, it's like, no, sit on your backside and do nothing. What is it, Jesus? It's surprising. It's shocking. And Jesus says to Mary, instead, he says, Mary has chosen what is better. Interesting. Mary, what has she chosen? Mary has chosen being in the presence of God above the preparations. She's chosen to be there and be attentive to him as her priority above all the other distractions and preparations. And Jesus says, that's better. Now notice he says, that's better. He doesn't say that's good. If he said that's good, you might have inferred, oh, well, what Martha's doing is bad. And what Martha was doing was great. There's nothing wrong with it, it's brilliant. Great to host guests, look after them, do all these things. But Jesus is saying, actually, what Mary is doing is even better. Even better. It's kind of it's a question of priorities. And she's chosen the right thing. And Mary shows us if we're gonna connect with God, we've got to lay down some of the distractions, the preparations, and prioritize a time to be with him. We've got to be convinced that feeding on his words is more important than feeding on normal bread or serving other people bread or whatever it is Martha was up to cooking in the kitchen and doing. And you know what, I'm sure this is the same for you. I don't think I've ever gone into a quiet time with God where there hasn't been at least one pressing demand on me when I think I really need to do that or this. You know, even even if you get up early, there's still something in your head with, oh, I I need to do that. But we've got to choose to, to lay those down and say, actually, this is more important. And you know what, I think what Mary shows us is, is to, when Jesus is in the house, prioritize him, pay attention to him. And how can we think of that with us? I think in certain times of the day, certain times of the week, we can, we can sort of think, is a time when Jesus is in the house, i.e. it's a time when it's easier to connect with Jesus and prioritize him. For me, that's first thing in the morning. I know if I don't have a, just a quiet time of, of prayer, first thing in the morning, I'm stuffed. There's no way once I get into the busyness of the day I, 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 that in the distractions that I'll be able to pull myself back and really have a good time um, connecting with God. 
I'm too weak and wobbly and easily tempted. And, I, 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 you know, I think it's about saying, when is, when is Jesus in the house for you? When are those moments when you, you can quite easily prioritize and say, I'll take that moment because I know that's a good time for me to connect with him. I hope Sundays in the kind of rhythm of the week, Sundays is a time like that. You say, well, I'm going to prioritize these few hours to be with him because this is a time when he's really in the house and I can connect with him. I'm going to prioritize my connect group. I'm going to prioritize certain things because that's a good place to connect. Now, I guess the problem with all of this is most of you in the room, probably not all of you in the room, are thinking, yeah, I know this. Tell us something new, Jerry. (laughs) I know that. I know I need to prioritize Jesus and prioritize my time with him. I know that. And, And the problem isn't so much knowing this. It's like, how do we actually do it? We all know it. Why are we so bad at it? Why am I so bad at it? Why is it so difficult? Let's have a look at Martha, because she's the one who's struggling, eh? Why has Martha made this bad choice? Here we've got Martha. She, she appears to be kind of in charge and in control of the house, doesn't she? It says, um, Luke says, calls it Martha's home, which is quite interesting, because Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live there, but it was Martha's home. Interesting that, isn't it? Poor old Lazarus doesn't give a mention. He's meant to be the man of the household. Where's he gone? And you get the sense that Martha was pretty organized, pretty kind of efficient. She liked to be in charge. She had her focus on people, on what their kind of demands would be, and she was wanting to serve those demands. And she probably carried those demands reasonably heavily. And I think it's really interesting the way Martha comes to Jesus. She comes to Jesus with a complaint and with a demand. And the great thing about Martha is she doesn't even come with a complaint so much about Mary. She comes with a complaint about Jesus. If you look at this carefully, she's complaining about Jesus. She says, she says, don't you care that she has left me to do all the work? Hey, Jesus, you, you're getting this wrong. You should have sent Mary out to help me. This is your fault, Jesus. I wonder if you feel like that in your work. Perhaps you're really busy in something in the home, at work, whatever, and you feel very unseen. And you're like coming to Jesus and saying, come on, get me some help here. Don't you care, God? You know, when we're in hidden work and being busy, it's easy to say, don't you care, God? Don't you care about me? And Martha demands of Jesus, tell her to help me. Martha's carrying these demands, the expectations of the people and of herself, and she says to Jesus, tell her to help me. Jesus, you sort this out. You take these demands I have, and I'm bunging them on you, Jesus, and you sort these out. You know, there is nothing wrong with crying out to Jesus when we're in a difficult position, when things are difficult, when things are hard, and saying, Jesus, please help me. But you know what? I think we see in this that it's, it's probably better not to do that until we just had a moment to ask Jesus, what is it you want from me? 
What do you want in this situation, Jesus? Before I kind of thrash around crying out at you, what do you want? Because I, I wonder if, if, if Martha had come to Jesus and just said, Jesus, do I need to do all this work? Can I just sit here with Mary? Could have turned out much differently, couldn't it? I wonder if Jesus would have said, Mary and Martha have chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from them. And you all, you all need to lay down your expectations and just chill out and listen to me. She could have avoided so much hassle, so much resentment, so much anger if she'd just come to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What are your demands on me in this moment? What are you asking of me in this moment? And I wonder for you in here this morning, what, what, what demands have you laid on yourself? What demands have other people laid on you? And have you really taken them to Jesus and asked them, is this what you're asking of me, Jesus? Is this what you want me to do? Because it might just be, he says, you can put that stuff down over there. Or actually, I just want you to pick that up and put that other stuff down. I um, heard a story uh, this, this last week of a, of a well-known photographer called Jim Brandenburg. I don't know if any of you have heard of him, but he, he um, was a photographer for National Geographic for about 25 years, um, based in America, but used to fly all over the round, round the world taking photos for them, also lots of other publications he took photos for. And, you know, he was, he, through the 80s and 90s, was getting increasingly famous, doing, doing tens of thousands of miles, traveling around the world each year, taking hundreds, if not thousands, of photos each day of things. And he found himself in the 90s just getting more and more burned out with the whole thing. He said he was losing his passion. He was just, it was kind of just on this relentless cycle of doing all this stuff. And um, he suddenly took a radical decision. He decided, for the next 90 days, I'm just going to take one photo a day. Just one photo. And he said it was completely transformational. He had to be stop, be still, really think through, what is that one photo I'm going to take today? He said it slowed him down into something sacred. It took him deeper into something spiritual. He said it took out of me the commercial, took out of me what was expected of me. And it renewed his passion, it renewed uh, his desire for this. And I wonder for you, what, how could that apply to you, that, that one shot? What are those, those, just those key things you need to do each day? How could you simplify? But there's also something, we've got all these demands on us, we see these demands that Martha's got on her and that she puts on herself. And we ask Jesus, okay, what's the one thing I can do? What is it you want me to do? But then there's also, I think, not just stopping to ask Jesus, what should we do? But also, who are we? 
Who am I, Jesus? It's just as important a question if we want to calm down and connect with him. Jesus says Martha is worried and upset about many things. He doesn't sort of say to Martha, gosh, you've got a lot to do and sort of empathize with her. He, he kind of looks into her and says, gosh, you're, you're worried and upset about many things. It seems Jesus is seeing the kind of storm inside of her much more than kind of any sort of storm around of the things to do. I don't think, I'm I'm reading into the text here, it doesn't actually say this, I don't think the people sitting around in that house were kind of saying, Martha, get me some bread, get me some water, get me, you know, cook me some lunch. I think probably the people sitting around there were absorbed in what Jesus was saying and in what was going on with him. And that most of the expectation was inside of her, of what she felt she should and ought to be doing, rather than what the people really needed in that moment. And I wonder if if it was something to do with, with her identity, of being the one in charge, of being the person who met other people's demands, of placing her identity in what other people thought of her and in what she did. I wonder if that was in there. What we do know is Jesus, Jesus looks at her, if you like. He looks at the storm inside of her. He says, you're worried and upset about many things. He looks into her and he says, one thing is needed. Martha, one thing is needed. What is that one thing? That one thing, Martha. That one thing, Jerry. That one thing, each of you here. Is that you are loved by God. You are a child of his. You are in his family. And it is being loved by him that is the center of your being. And I know you know that, but unless that gets from here to here really deeply, you will continue to rush and be busy and be stressed because it's got to get in here that you belong to him. That, Of course, I prioritize him because he is the one thing. He is the one thing that I need. You know, so many of us, myself included, we try to build our identity basically on three things. We try to build it either on the things we do, so lots of activity and action. I'm a doer and I achieve this, achieve that. I'm pastor of this wonderful church and that's, that's who I am. We try to build our identity like that or we try to build it on the things other people say about us. So we just, we just want people saying great things about us all the time that's how we build our identity and who we are so when people say great things are up here and when they say terrible things we're absolutely down in the pit and crushed or we try to build it on what we have so we try to accumulate power we try to accumulate things to make us feel someone to make us be someone And if we build our identity in that way, we will feel a lack of calmness, a lack of security. We will get worried and upset about many things. 
because we're kind of caught on a treadmill if we're trying to build our identity in that way because we can never do it. And Jesus says to Martha and says to me, just one thing is needed. Look to me and build with me. So my prayer for you is that you can put down the demands that you put on yourself or that other people put on yourself and ask Jesus, what is it you want me to do? And then you can look to Jesus and say, who am I? And you can know in your heart you are beloved of his. You are a child of his. And you build from that place. And you know the great news? The great news is Martha got it. She learned from this encounter. And, and, and it's so exciting. We see in John 11, when um, Martha and Mary pop up again, along with Lazarus, who is not quite popping up at that point. He's still in the grave. But, um, and John 11:17, it says this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Wow! Isn't that amazing? She's got a house full of people already, and then she hears Jesus is coming. Oh no! Would have been a response. Oh no, we've got so much to do now. Um, right, let's come on, let's all get busy and get. She doesn't do that this time, does she? She drops everything and runs out the house to Jesus. She got it. She got it. That's the most important thing. Jesus is coming and that's where I need to be. Not amongst all that chaos. We can change. I can change. You can change. We can do this. We can get less worried and upset and busy and distracted. And I believe the way we will do that is by knowing we are loved by him and by shedding the demands of others and saying, Jesus, what is it you want me to do? Amen? Amen. Amen.